This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast, episode eight. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, and this week's episode is all about IUDs, and I love talking about them. This week, we've got three questions about IUDs, and while we cover a lot, if you do have more questions about this really cool form of birth control and you want to ask more questions about it, go ahead. Don't hesitate to call in or leave me a voice DM. All right, let's go ahead and jump in with this first question that somebody called in and left me a message. And I guarantee you, there's a lot of you listening today who have this exact same question. Hi, Dr. Lincoln. Thanks so much for your amazing posts. Question for you for your upcoming podcast in regards to IUDs. I'm going for a consultation about having one inserted. And I am really, really nervous about the discomfort and the fact that I'm a virgin and just stuff like that. Um, how to relieve the nerves and things that might make it more comfortable. Thanks so much. Bye. So first, I want to validate your concerns that it is okay to feel uncomfortable or nervous about having an IUD inserted. And the fact that you're asking this question and that you want to be prepared so that you can be knowing what to expect and you can be empowered is a great way to set yourself up for success. So I do want to come right out of the gate and say this. IUD insertions can be painful. IUD insertions can also be completely not painful for some people. Acknowledging either of these does not negate your experience if it's different from what you've experienced. And the reason I'm saying that is because I've seen these conversations go up in flames on social media, which is why I'm starting here. What I mean is I've seen people post who say that having an IUD placed was worse than childbirth, the worst thing they've ever had. And then other people have said, well, mine wasn't that bad. And both of those can be true. And how you experienced it doesn't mean that how the other person experienced it wasn't true. It's a personal experience for them. And I think it's important just to kind of understand, like, what's the most common thing that people experience? And this is where studies and data can help us. So what we have seen from some studies that have looked at this, and there have been a lot of studies about IUD insertions and insertion pain and making it better. So while I know that for sure, women's health and reproductive health is chronically underfunded, I do not disagree with that. I can tell you that there is a lot of research in this area. And it's one of those things where, unfortunately, controlling this kind of pain isn't as simple as numbing up your skin. It has to do with different types of nerves. And when it comes to placing an IUD, which goes through the opening of the cervix into the uterus, there's a lot of nerves that are involved. And as you can imagine, it's not as simple as just numbing up a tooth. So the reason there's a lot of research and a lot of studies is because it's not that simple. But what we do know is that studies have shown that sometimes the anticipated pain is actually worse than what's actually experienced, meaning they surveyed people and they said, how painful do you think this is going to be? And then surveyed them afterwards. And it turns out that for most people, the anticipated pain, they thought it was going to be worse than it actually was. I think that's reassuring. Here are some other statistics about what people have typically experienced with IUD insertions. So in people who've not given birth vaginally before, 60% rated it as crampy as a period. You might think, well, Dr. Jen, my periods are horrible. So if that's what it is, that's terrible. You're absolutely right. 
what we say might be crampy is very subjective. And some people have great periods and other people have horrible periods. So I hear you. Another study found that 9% of people who had an IUD inserted rated it as not painful at all. 72% rated it as moderately painful and 17% rated it as severely painful. So I think we can take a glass half full or a glass half empty view here and say, wow, only 17% of people rated it severely painful. And then somebody else might say, that's a lot of people. There's a really good chance that I could fall into that category. And what about that whole 72% of people who you said it was moderately painful? Like that's a lot of people and I don't want to feel moderate pain. And what is moderate to somebody might be severe to another. So boiling this down is that you are more likely than not to report some pain with your IUD insertion. How painful it is to you has to do with a lot of different things. And sometimes you don't know until it's happened, but rather than just say, well, gosh, I hope I end up in that 9% of people who feel no pain and, and we'll just go with it and wing it. I think that there's things that you can prepare yourself for and there's things that you can ask your healthcare provider for to make it a better experience overall. Now I should back up and just talk about what IUDs are. They are T-shaped devices that sit in your uterus and are good for years in terms of working for being there for birth control and, and helping some other things, which I'll get to later. They are inserted through the opening of the cervix when those little T-shaped arms are down. So think of it as like a little straw that goes through the opening of the cervix. And then once it's through, the little applicator is removed and those wings, I guess you could call them, those arms of the IUD open up and it sits there like a letter T. If you've been on social media or if you've Googled to see what an IUD insertion looks like, you can find it pretty easily. And I think one of the things that I didn't appreciate until seeing what happened when IUDs were talked about, especially on TikTok, is how gnarly it can look and how to us as healthcare providers, it's something that is a very quick procedure. And when I compare it to something like a surgery and all the tools I use there, it's not something that to me seems that gnarly. And I know that's a really weird word to use, but really what I'm focusing on is the tenaculum. And this is one that I think has gotten a lot of play on social media recently. And so how these IUDs are inserted is after we do an exam to see which way your uterus is facing, we place a speculum so we can see the cervix. And then we put a grasper on your cervix and that's called a tenaculum. And it's two prongs that pierce the cervix. And when you see that, it looks really like, oh my gosh, why are they putting this on my cervix? And I get it. It looks, you know, to somebody who doesn't do procedures or who isn't in medicine, that can look like, ew, I'm like, why can't they do something better? And the point of this, and the reason we do that is because we really need to have good control of the cervix. Because when we then pull on that, what we're doing is we're straightening out the pathway of that IUD to get into the uterus. This is really important because it prevents us poking a hole in the uterus, which is called uterine perforation. And I'm actually going to get to that in another question. So that's a step that's really important that we have good control. Sometimes we can use other graspers to hold onto the cervix, but a lot of us have found that the tenaculum really does work best. And I know that it looks really scary. Like, oh my goodness, like you're piercing a part of my body. Like, do you not understand that that can hurt? Absolutely. And that's why talking about how to control pain is important. But I think that some of the pushback I've seen on social media is, why didn't you tell me this was happening or this was going to be part of my IUD insertion? And I hear you. And I think that it's important to realize that not everybody wants to know every step of every procedure. 
For example, when I perform a C-section, people don't ask to see every single tool that I use in a C-section. And to the untrained eye, you might see some of the stuff we use or how we operate and go, oh my goodness, that's barbaric. But that's what surgery is, is it looks that way. But every tool has a reason and some of them look kind of gnarly and, and barbaric, but we need to be able to, you know, control bleeding or move an organ around or, you know, it's important that we keep you safe. So I think that Moving forward, it's a great thing to ask people, do you want to see the tools that we use? Do you want me to talk about it step by step? Or whereas other people are like, no, thank you. I just would like to have this done. So I think it's important to know that not everybody wants to know every aspect of a procedure. But for those who do, it's important that we talk about it. And I'm happy to play show and tell. Trust me. Okay, that was a little digression there. I want to jump right into the question that our caller asked, which is like, how do I make this better? And good news is that we can. Bad news is that there are definitely some healthcare providers out there who I don't think offer optimal pain control for IUD insertions because in their mind, they think, oh, this is a quick little thing. This isn't a surgery. It literally takes a minute. So really, do we need all this stuff? And I don't think that's the right way to think about it. So here are some things that have been shown to work that you can discuss with your healthcare provider and you may choose to use one or all of them or, you know, talk about it. The first thing that studies have looked at are medications that you take by mouth. And one that has the most evidence behind it is naproxen, which is the name for Aleve. And it was actually shown to be a bit better than ibuprofen. And these medications are important that you take them beforehand because what it does is it doesn't actually help with the pain of the insertion itself, but helps with the cramps afterwards. So if you know you're going to come in for an IUD, maybe taking it you know, an hour ahead of time or something like that can help with the cramps afterwards. The next medication that you can talk about or you could consider is something called Toradol. This is actually an injectable NSAID. So it's like an injectable ibuprofen is what I tell people. The study that looked at it, for some people, they said, yeah, it worked really well for their cramps afterwards. And then for others, they said that the injection of the Toradol, because it's a shot, that that injection was actually worse than the procedure itself. So this is one of those things where I say it's sort of a personal decision. And you might know and say, oh yeah, I've taken ibuprofen and Aleve before. They work great for me for my period cramps. And other people might say, that stuff never works. So then maybe for you, you might want to consider asking for Toradol. All of these things, when I talk about these medications and interventions and therapies to make your IUD insertion more comfortable, in a perfect world, these are all talked about before your IUD appointment because you can make a game plan going forward. And some people do go in and they have a consultation and they chat about it and they make a plan and then they come back for their IUD insertion. Whereas others come in, they talk about it and they're like, let's just do it today. And so if you're wanting the best chance of having all of your pain options discussed and having everything available to you, you may be somebody who wants to have a separate conversation and then return for that IUD insertion. Okay, moving on to other medications are opioid medications. So these are medications that, you know, are prescription only that we give out for things like surgeries and after bad injuries. And some studies have shown that opioids like tramadol may help for IUD insertion pain. This is one, though, that we have to weigh the risks and the benefits of. So we do know that in this country, we do have an opioid crisis and an opioid epidemic. So I'm not sure if saying that giving out tramadol or opioid prescriptions for everybody who comes in for an IUD is necessarily a good thing, truly because the vast majority of people do just fine without them. However, if you're somebody who you know that you're really worried about this pain or they've worked well for you before, or you've maybe tried an insertion without it and you weren't able to tolerate it, 
or you just have concerns or you've got pelvic pain and you know that this is going to be more uncomfortable for you, by all means, ask for it. I think it is certainly worth a conversation. The next medication that has been studied at length to help with IUD insertion pain is something called mesoprostol or meso. You may have heard of it referred to that way. Another one, the brand name is Cytotec. This is a medication that can be used to soften the cervix. We actually use it as part of abortion care. We use it as part of induction of labor. We use it as part of miscarriage care. So it's got a lot of, a lot of uses. But for IUD insertion, what we think of it is that it works to soften the cervix. And the idea is that it opens the cervix up a little bit more so that way the placement of that IUD, that straw that goes through the cervix, it's easier to place. Here's what the studies have shown about mesoprostol. It doesn't help everyone, and the side effects for a lot of people are actually worse than the benefit of what it does to help with the IUD insertion. Very common side effects associated with taking mesoprostol include cramping, throwing up, shaking, fevers. And some studies have shown that people who've taken this prior to IUD insertion actually said if they had to do it all over again, they would skip the mesoprostol because the side effects just weren't worth it. So in general, we don't use this for everyone when it comes to IUD insertions. And I do know there are still providers out there who do this routinely, and that's a very old-fashioned way to practice. And there are some providers who routinely do it for people who've never had sex before or who've never given birth vaginally before, like our caller. And again, that's sort of an older practice. I personally think that it's something we can reserve for when there's a difficult insertion. So maybe we've tried to insert it in the office. We weren't able to. We can make a game plan to stop and say, let's bring you back next time. Let's try this mesoprostol and maybe some other things to help with the insertion. So it's not something that I necessarily would recommend for everybody. Let's move on to talking about a paracervical block or a cervical injection. And this is one that has gotten a lot of attention on social media. And I think rightly so, because we have newer data to show that it actually does a better job than a lot of us who were trained years ago were made to think. And so what this is, is it's numbing medication. So you know that lidocaine that you get at the dentist's office? It's the same kind of thing. And so it's an injection that we place on the cervix where we put that tenaculum that grasps, aka pierces the cervix. We put a little bit there to numb that up. And then we put it on the side of the cervix too. And the reason for that is that the goal is to get a lot of the nerves that go to the cervix and the uterus to numb them up. Here's the thing about paracervical blocks with lidocaine. The injections can be painful because it is an injection that's going into the cervix, which can be crampy. These are injections that need to go a little bit deep because those nerves that I told you about that are going to the cervix and going to the uterus, it's not just one little nerve that we have to hit, but think of it like a cluster of nerves. And prior studies show that it didn't really help, that people rated the injections themselves more uncomfortable than the IUD insertion. Just like when I was telling you about that injectable ibuprofen, that Toradol. Here's the thing though, older studies only use 10 cc's, so a tinier amount. And a newer study in 2018 doubled that. So they used 20 cc's and they added something to the lidocaine that buffered it. So it didn't burn or hurt as much when going in. So there is better data that is more recent to show that if your provider uses 20 cc's of a buffered 1% lidocaine solution, that can actually help quite a bit with IUD insertion pain. And so I think that is definitely something worth talking to your provider about. And so this is an injection that after the speculum is placed, your provider will inject it in those three spots and then let it set up for a few minutes and then go ahead and proceed with the IUD insertion. Another form of lidocaine is, instead of it being an injection, is a topical lidocaine. And there's lots of studies looking at lidocaine sprays and gels that are placed on the cervix 
left to sit for a bit before the IUD insertion. And the one that tends to work best is a lidocaine prilocaine gel, and it's a higher dose. So you can ask if your provider has that. And you could use that, or you could use that in addition with the paracervical block. You know, you guys can kind of make a plan together. But there is some data to show that the topical gel can help with insertion pain as well. Okay, lastly, let's talk about other things that we might think about when we think about medications to treat IUD insertion pain that aren't kind of mainstream stuff. So I'm talking about essential oils and nitrous oxide, kind of more of these complementary therapies. So there was one study that showed inhaled lavender, which sounds like a you know delicious way to have an IUD inserted. The room must smell wonderful. Although to be honest, I hate the smell of lavender. So <laughs> it's important to make sure that you can tolerate it. You don't have an allergy to it and the smell just doesn't turn your stomach. But This study looked at inhaled lavender, and they actually found that there was no improvement on pain with the insertion study, but there was an improvement with anxiety. And we know that anxiety absolutely plays into pain because pain is not just a physical sensation, but it's also your emotional response to it. So potentially that could be something you could try. And then nitrous oxide, which you might be more familiar with at the dentist, aka laughing gas, we also use it and a lot of labor and delivery units. And so they looked at using nitrous oxide to help with IUD insertion. Didn't find any benefit with that there. Let's talk about some other things. So basically what to expect, and then in terms of how to help with pain after the insertion. So the IUD is in, we've talked about some things, how you can help with that. When it comes to afterwards, cramping is really the mainstay. And studies have shown that NSAIDs like Aleve and ibuprofen can help, heat can help, opioids can help too. Again, something that we wouldn't want to necessarily give out to everybody because that would end up with a lot of people getting prescriptions they don't need, but definitely can be part of your game plan if you know that you struggle with this, you've got really bad cramps, or you're really worried about it. What about, do you need to be on your period in order to get your IUD inserted? Does that help with pain? Absolutely not. And there are still so many providers who will make you reschedule your appointment to come in to have your IUD placed when you're on your period. And it's really for two reasons. And I think they're both ridiculous. The first one is this idea that insertion is easier when you're on your period. We've studied that. It's not true. I would say that's an option if you had a difficult insertion, you weren't able to do it. It's definitely a plan B that you can try, but the data doesn't support it for everybody. And the reason I think this is really important is because if you make people come back, you restrict the window when they can get an IUD, you're making it harder for them to access care. Like it is hard enough for us to even get into the office, schedule time off, be able to you know, make all the stars align when it comes to childcare and all the things. So then telling somebody, well, you've only got these four days where you can even come in and get it. It's just an unnecessary barrier. And it means that people are less likely to get the birth control that they want, and they are more likely to have an unintended pregnancy. The second thing about why some people make people come into the office on their period to get their IUD inserted is because they say, well, that's how I can guarantee that they're not pregnant. And we as healthcare providers, we want to make sure that if we are doing something, we're not causing harm. And if somebody were to be upset about having an IUD inserted when they're pregnant and they didn't know yet, and it could lead to a miscarriage or they wouldn't want to be pregnant, we go, oh my goodness, we don't want to do that. We don't want to get sued, right? there's really good ways to make sure that somebody is not pregnant other than making them come in during their period. So I think this is kind of a paternalistic, cover your butt way to practice medicine. And I don't think it's what's best for patients. So not a huge fan of it. There's no data that it makes the insertion easier. So let's not make people jump through hoops. Let's now focus on anxiety because truly 
a lot of the anxiety around the IUD insertion and treating that can really be key in having a better experience. So whether it's medications that you take, whether it's your environment, all of these things, it's okay to ask your provider about this and optimize it beforehand. Some people need a prescription for anxiety medication, and that helps them better than giving them a narcotic prescription to help with pain. It's really that they're more nervous about it. And if they're able to get something and ahead of time before that appointment, you can go through all the counseling, you can have your consent form signed, you can make sure somebody's there to drive them home so they're not loopy, then by all means, talk about it with your provider. There's actually a study that showed that what was called psychological preparation was shown to help people have much better experiences with their IUD insertion and rate them less painfully. Psychological preparation is a fancy word for good counseling. So what this means is that when people know what to expect and know how to optimize their situation, they have a better IUD insertion. I think that's really straightforward and very obvious, but I understand that not all healthcare providers are maybe as good as counseling, answering questions, preparing patients as others. So the short answer of that is if you feel really prepared and empowered, you're more likely to do better. And this not only helped improve anxiety, but also pain scores in these patients. So overall, let me wrap this in a bow for you. How are you going to make your IUD insertion better? Knowing what to expect, preparing, knowing what to expect in terms of the insertion afterwards, maybe taking something like naproxen or leave ahead of time or another medication like an opioid pain medication or an anxiety medication ahead of time if you chatted with your provider and you both feel that's best for you. Using some form of numbing medication on the cervix, whether it's that numbing cream or spray that I mentioned, that high-dose lidocaine prilocaine gel can be really helpful, or having a paracervical block injected with that 20 cc's, not the 10, so double that amount, a buffered 1% lidocaine paracervical block. And lastly, managing anxiety, whether it's with supportive care, whether it's with that inhaled lavender, which I think sounds really cool, or medication, or having somebody there to support you, and having a provider who you feel like gives you what you need. If it's seeing everything beforehand, talking you through every single step, then doing that. Or if you say, I just want you to get this over with, like, please, can we just be done? Whatever it is, whatever works for you, having that clear communication. And most importantly, knowing that if you say, ow, this hurts, I need you to stop, that your doctor or midwife or healthcare provider will listen to you is super important. Oh, and the other overall is that sometimes when it comes to reproductive healthcare and IUDs, especially, social media can be a dumpster fire. And sometimes there's good information out there. Sometimes there's not. So going down a rabbit hole of IUD stuff may not be the best thing for you. There's a sweet spot between being informed and being scared. So I I think just finding that sweet spot. And I fully acknowledge that sometimes doctors are idiots and don't listen. And I apologize for that. And if you feel that you are with somebody like that, you are more than welcome to walk out of the office and find somebody new. But I know it's annoying that you might even have to go down that path. So I hear you. Okay, before I move on to our next question about IUDs, I do want to take a moment and we're going to go to school for this week's class is in session where we hit up this week's teachable moment. Welcome to the health class you wish you had in high school. This week's teachable moment is all about the things you might never have known we use IUDs for. Yeah, yeah, we all know IUDs are a form of birth control and actually pretty amazing. There's two different kinds of IUDs, ones that have the hormone progesterone or progesterone-like hormone and ones that have copper. The IUDs with the progesterone hormone, they are 99.8% effective at preventing pregnancy. 
and the copper hormone, still amazing, 99.4%. So both of these are absolutely fantastic at pregnancy prevention. But did you know that we use them for much more than just not getting pregnant? Well, if not, now you do. So first thing, anemia, which means low blood count. There was a study in England in the 90s when IUDs were first coming out, the progesterone version of them, and they found in patients who had a progesterone IUD placed, two-thirds of them delayed their hysterectomies or canceled their hysterectomies because the IUD was so good at decreasing their heavy periods, which was the reason they were going to have their uterus removed. What we've seen is that progesterone IUDs decrease the amount you bleed by 80 to 97%. That's amazing. And they are FDA approved for exactly this reason, for what we call heavy menstrual bleeding. Maybe this is TMI, but I have a Marina IUD. I'm on my fourth one. I absolutely love it. And I don't get a period anymore. And I love it. I love not having to deal with a period. And if I do, it's like a little bit of spotting. So it's actually a huge reason why we use IUDs. And heavy bleeding and anemia, it's not just like a bothersome thing. It's a reason that people might need to come into the emergency room or get blood transfusions. So the ability to avoid that with this T-shaped device, we love it. Another thing that we use IUDs for, specifically progesterone IUDs, preventing cancer of the uterus. Yes, these birth control devices can actually prevent cancer. And these are especially in people who are high risk for it. For example, people with PCOS who don't have regular cycles. When you don't have a regular withdrawal bleed and a regular period when you're not on birth control, that means the cells in the lining of your uterus can get a little funky and can start to go haywire and can eventually lead to cancer of the uterus. Having a progesterone IUD prevents this and protects you from that. And I think that's amazing. And not only do they prevent cancer of the uterus, but they can actually treat low-grade abnormal cells that are precancerous or even early cancerous changes in the uterus. We legit can use them to treat early cancer. I think that is so cool. They can also be used if you're on hormone replacement therapy, if you're menopausal and you're having issues and you need to go on hormone replacement therapy, the progesterone IUDs can be part of that to help prevent increasing risks of cancer in the uterus, which if you're just taking estrogen can make you prone to that. And lastly, the copper IUD can be used as a plan B, meaning you had unprotected sex, oopsie daisy, you can have a copper IUD inserted as a form of plan B. It's actually the most effective form of plan B. And then you have a plan A going forward, which I love. So now you know all the awesome things IUDs can be used for, which is not just about not getting pregnant, class dismissed. Okay, let's move on to our next IUD question from AJ. Let's have a listen. Hi, Dr. Lincoln. My name's AJ. I recently was thinking about getting an IUD, but I am kind of not afraid of getting it in. More of like maybe heavy period aspect to it and possibly like poking through like my uterus i don't know i've heard something about that and it freaked me out so i was scared too and like could you feel it if it's in there when it gets put in i just want to know because i'm like kind of seriously considering it and my mom has talked to me about birth control stuff and like that i want to stay away from anything hormonal because it would literally like mess my mind up and i i can't take it so i just kind of i need some little guidance if you can help me please and thank you Okay, AJ, you just sound like the sweetest person. And I love these questions that you've got in here. And I love that your mom is talking to you about birth control. As a parent myself, we love that because being informed is being empowered, taking control of your body. It's amazing. So it sounds like you had a couple questions here. 
The first one, let's talk about the bleeding aspect. So you were having questions about heavy bleeding. And it sounds like you're considering the non-hormonal IUD, which is that copper IUD type that I talked about. And I've already kind of gone over that there's two different types, progesterone and copper IUD. Heavy bleeding is really only an issue with a copper IUD, which in the United States we call the Paragard. And about one in 10 people who have this IUD placed will have it removed because of heavier bleeding. So that means about 10% of people who have it inserted eventually get it removed because of this. And I think it's up to you whether or not you decide that's a high enough number where you want to give it a go and see how you do, right? Because nine out of 10 don't have that issue. Or if you're like, oh, that's a bit much and I'm not so into it. The increased bleeding and cramping can really be normal, especially when it's first inserted. And it tends to get better with time. You can manage this with things like ibuprofen. But if you're somebody who's already prone to really heavy periods and really crampy periods, to be honest, this might not be the best method for you. Now, if it's more important that you have a non-hormonal method and Really, we don't have a ton of great options that are very reliable. This is really the most effective non-hormonal method that we have. If not getting pregnant is more important than dealing with some cramps or some heavy bleeding, then this might be a good option for you. But it's really, it's just important to know what you consider acceptable or unacceptable and if this is something you do want to try. Now to get to the poking through question, um, what you're asking is about uterine perforation. And this is when almost always at the time of insertion, when we're placing that IUD, we poke a hole through the wall of the uterus and it gets placed in your abdominal cavity. So it gets placed outside the uterus. As you can imagine, it doesn't work that well there. It's not supposed to be there. Good news, this is pretty rare, about one in 1,000 insertions. I know when you scroll social media or you know you talk to your friend or you know people who always highlight these things, it seems like more than that. And truly it's because just like when we go on Yelp, we tend to only leave really awesome reviews or more often really bad reviews because we're really pissed off and I would be too. But the good news is, is that this is extremely, extremely rare. And there's steps that we take to decrease this risk. So the first thing is before we put that speculum in to do the IUD insertion is we do something called a bimanual exam. And the bimanual means two hands. So one in the vagina, two fingers in the vagina, and one hand on your belly. And what we're doing is we're figuring out which direction your uterus faces. Does it face to the front, kind of tilted forward? Is it in the middle, kind of in a straight line, or does it face towards your back? And all of these are normal. But the reason we need to know that is that that helps us place the IUD more safely. The second thing that we do is we measure how tall your uterus is, basically how deep we need to put the IUD. We do that with something called a uterine sound, and that's basically a straw that we place through the opening of the cervix before we do the IUD insertion, and it's a measuring stick. So we can take it out and I can say, okay, your uterus is seven centimeters deep. So obviously I then want to move the safety marker onto the IUD insertion to that so I don't go past that and then poke a hole in your uterus. And then the third thing that we do to avoid a uterine perforation is we don't force things. So if we're having any difficulty inserting it or we meet any resistance at all, we stop. So really a lot of good safeguards here. Now, if we do unfortunately perforate your uterus, and a lot of times we know this right at the time of the insertion because we're going to place it and we place it and we go, oh, oh no, we've gone too far. You can just you know, we can just see it going in too deeply. We can diagnose this by doing an x-ray or sometimes an ultrasound, and we treat it by removing the IUD. So sometimes we're able to retrieve it right at the time of the insertion using the strings that are at the end of the IUD. And sometimes we do need to do laparoscopic surgery where we make tiny incisions on the belly, putting a camera in your belly, and we can see where it is, and, and we pluck it out. 
obviously not fun for anybody involved, most importantly, the patient. But like I said, only a one in a thousand chance that this happens. So I hope that helps you feel a little less worried about that happening and a little less freaked out. Okay, your last question was, can you feel it? And you are not the only one who's had this question. So let's have a listen to somebody else who also asked this and I'll answer all your questions at once. So I have a Mirena IUD and I've had it for over a year and I've never been able to feel the strings, but yesterday I was able to feel it. And I know it's normal not to feel it and to feel it. So I'm like, is there something wrong? Plus my new partner is well endowed and that also makes me nervous. Um, is this normal? Okay. So that was from another caller asking about strings. And I just love that you all are calling in with these great questions. So she said that she has a marina, couldn't feel the strings till yesterday. Is that normal? So let's talk about these strings. So all IUDs have little strings that hang off the end of them. And the purpose of that is that they're there. So yes, you can feel it and know that your IUD is in place. But more importantly, it's so that when we need to get the IUD out, we can grasp them and pull it out. It is absolutely normal, just like the caller said, to not be able to feel them. And the reasons that you might not be able to feel your strings is that where your cervix is positioned, it's, you know, you got to be able to put two fingers or a finger in the vagina and reach up there and kind of feel these tiny strings. Sometimes that's just harder for people based on what their anatomy is. Also, sometimes the strings are cut a bit shorter and you can't reach them. They might be cut to be right flush with the cervix, so they're not hanging down, or they might even be a little shorter, and so they're up in the canal, the cervix, so you might not be able to feel them. So it can absolutely be normal to not be able to feel your strings. What I would recommend is if you could feel your strings, let's say once a month you reached up there to check and make sure your IUD was there and you could feel them, and now all of a sudden you can't, I think it's a good idea to get checked out because that could be a sign that your IUD fell out. We call this an expulsion, IUD expulsion, and it's rare, but obviously if it's not there, it's not going to do a great job at not getting you pregnant or helping with all the other amazing things an IUD can do. So I think it's a great idea to get checked out. And what we usually do is we'll put a speculum in and we'll look and see if we can see them. If we still can't see them, then we'll do an ultrasound usually because we can see if the IUD is sitting in the uterus, but for some reason we just can't see the strings. Maybe they got tucked up into the canal of the cervix. That's often a reason. Also, like in this situation, if you used to not be able to feel them and now you can, it's not a terrible idea to get checked because it could be that your IUD migrated down a little bit in the uterus. And we know that IUDs work best at protecting you from pregnancy when they're located in the right spot in the uterus. So they're at the top of the uterus. We know that sometimes IUDs can migrate down low and sometimes they can come down into the cervix. Symptoms of that can be that your strings that you couldn't feel, all of a sudden now you can, or if your partner all of a sudden feels this pokey thing. So to get to that part of your question where you said you have a well-endowed partner and you're worried, is that something, you know, is he going to be able to feel the IUD or is he going to be able to somehow dislodge it? Here's the thing. Most partners cannot feel the IUDs unless there's two situations. That first one where it's migrated down low and the actual, the bottom part of the IUD itself, not even the string is, is now in the cervix and they can feel that. And that doesn't feel good. And also that's not ideal because like I said, it means the IUD isn't in the exact right place and it's not going to optimally protect you against pregnancy. The other reason your partner might be able to feel your IUD is if your strings are cut kind of short and they're just poking out of the cervix. This can be a little more common with the copper IUD because those strings are a little more like fishing wire and they can feel a little more pokey. That's why when I place IUDs, I leave them a little longer so they can kind of curl up and around the cervix and not poke your partner. 
if your partner is feeling those pokey strings or feeling something, it's a great idea to get checked out. And if it's related to the IUD position, well, you can you know get a new one and make sure it's positioned in the right spot. Or if it's related to those little pokey strings, your provider can cut them even shorter. So now they're in the canal of the cervix so nobody feels them. That's a lot about strings and IUD poking, but I hope that made sense. If you even wonder, do I even need to feel my strings every month and check and make sure it's there? My provider told me I have to do that, something called a string check. Honestly, they're overrated because here's the sitch. If you've got a progesterone IUD, what I tell patients and what I do with my own, I don't check them routinely because I know what my bleeding pattern was before I had my IUD, which was a regular period. If my IUD all of a sudden fell out, well, it would be rare at this point and I'd probably feel something. You don't always see it in the toilet, that's true. But if it fell out and I all of a sudden went from having no periods, which is what I've got on my IUD, to having a heavy period, that would be a sign to me like, oh my goodness, maybe my IUD isn't there. And then I would reach up and check. Some people love a good string check. They like feeling up there. They like making sure it's there. It helps them feel protected and I'm all for it. But other people hate the idea of sticking their fingers in their vagina. Or it's frustrating because they've done that. They can't feel it. They go into the office. Their doctor says, yep, I can see it. Everything's good. And then the next month, same thing. They can't feel their cervix. And they're like, oh my goodness, do I need to go in every single month? So string checks for a lot of people are overrated. But if you have any questions about that or you want to talk about whether or not you should, feel free to check in with your healthcare provider. Oh, and the last thing I did want to go back to AJ's question was she was saying that she wanted to stay away from anything hormonal because she felt like it would mess up her mind. And I am a huge fan of finding the method that's right for you, but I do want to say that there's a lot of misinformation about birth control, and one of my first episodes talked exactly about this. For the vast majority of people, people are on hormonal birth control, and they do great. But I do want you to know, if you've been on hormonal birth control before and you've had issues with it, or you're just worried about it because you've seen stuff on social and you're wondering if it's going to make you crazy, before just always saying, nope, all methods are bad, you may just want to chat with your provider about it because there may be a great method out there for you and you're just not trying it because of stuff you've seen that scared you. So just a quick plug there for that. Before I wrap this up, I want to put you to the test in this week's segment where I literally, literally bust common myths and misconceptions. And this may be my favorite clitorally segment yet, because while I'm usually busting myths that infuriate me, this one has me cracking up like I was cackling the first time I saw it. So here's the setup. This is comedian Hannah Burner, and she's interviewing men on the street about IUDs. And I'm, I'm just dead. I am dead after watching this. So let's see what they say. And clitorally, literally, what I think about their answers. How does an IUD work? No one knows. I actually just found this out. There's like no science behind it. It just blocks the, it just blocks the cum somehow. Okay, I love that he says there's no science behind it. My friend, there's plenty of science in knowing how IUDs work, the mechanism of action, we do know. So for the copper IUD, it causes what we call a sterile inflammation. So basically the sperm just are incapacitated. They, they just can't get to where they need to go. And for the progesterone IUD, the main way that it works is that it thickens the cervical mucus, so sperm physically can't get through the cervix to meet the egg. It works secondarily by preventing ovulation, but not all the time, and that's not the main way that it works. So, my friend, we do have science. (laughs) Okay, let's hear the next one. So an IUD is normally made out of copper, and it's put up there, and it cuts the heads off the sperms. Like... (laughs) As the... The sperms go in, it decapitates. Is it that violent? Yeah, it like, you swim past and it's like a guillotine. 
it decapitates the sperm. Sir, there are no many knives. It's not like we're inserting a steak knife in there and cutting the heads off the sperm. So he was kind of right. It affects the sperm, like I said, about the sterile inflammation. And he got half of it right. Yes, there's copper IUDs. There's also progesterone ones. But none of these involve kitchen utensils. Okay, next. Like, I thought I thought that was a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Ain't that... <laughs> Ain't that somebody in Wu-Tang? It's IUD and old dirty bastard. <laughs> I have nothing to say to this. I mean, I think that if Wu-Tang had somebody called IUD, it would only elevate Wu-Tang. But IUD, ODB, I'm, I love it. <laughs> now, IUD, I don't know how they work. I know I knocked one loose one time. <laughs> yeah, I knocked an IUD loose. Wow, your penis is huge. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that man just had the best night of his life. Um, did you? Did you knock one loose? Was it already dislodged and you felt it? I mean, going back to our previous question, yeah, guys sometimes think that... Anyway, we're, do we even touch that with a 10-foot pole? Like this man's penis that he thinks is a 10-foot pole? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a mess. My guess is that it was probably already low in the cervix and he felt it and he thinks that he did it. Whatever, we can't prove it, but mm, I don't think so. It depends on what kind of IUD you have, but like it, it swats away the, the, the sperm. It doesn't, you know, let you get pregnant. It swats away the sperm. Okay, we've gone from knives, guillotines to now fly swatters. So now your IUD has little little fly swatters and, you know, buzzes around and it sees a sperm in it. Yeah, okay. That's, that's close. It's not close at all. <laughs> it injects birth control into your body. It injects birth control into your body. Okay, now it's an IUD and it's got lots of little tiny needles. I mean, yes, it's the progesterone ones have progesterone and it every day, you know, it releases a little bit over time. I wouldn't say it injects it, but maybe we're getting closer. I'm not sure. I guess it kills the sperm some, somehow with electric, con, electric, electricity. So now it's a lightning bolt. Now we put a taser in your uterus. And that's what we used to kill the sperm. If this TikTok does not show you how bad our sex education is in this country, like, I'm not sure what else I can do. But I can reassure you, my friends, I am not putting volts of electricity in your vajayjay into your uterus to keep you from getting pregnant. I don't know a lot, but I do know that. I do know girls complain that it hurts to get them put in and taken out. And doctors are always like, no, you're crazy. It doesn't hurt. Okay, that part makes me sad. Okay, if your doctor says you're crazy, run. Run so far away. I do know there are a lot of healthcare providers who do minimize the pain of an IUD, so I do appreciate that part of his comment, but if somebody calls you crazy, you run. All right, here's the last one. Oh my gosh, what's it gonna be? So I, I, I'm confusing Diva Cup in that. <laughs> but I know that they both go up your vagina, and then the Diva Cup is a period thing. The, the IUD is a baby thing. To prevent babies, like a yeah, contraceptive. <laughs> he is correct that diva cups, which is menstrual cup, and IUDs are very different. I like how he described them, um, but yes, they are. They're very different. And please do not use a diva cup as birth control. And yes, an IUD, like he said, quote unquote, it's a baby thing. 
Okay, we talked a lot about IUDs. Some of it was absolutely hilarious. And let's do a quick summary of what we discussed here. IUD insertions can hurt, or they might not. The data is out there to show that some people get lucky and feel nothing, but most people feel moderate pain, some severe, but it's very subjective. There are ways to make it better, and being prepared with what you expect and what you can ask for is key. If your healthcare provider makes you feel like you're crazy for asking for something or says there's nothing we can do to help, that's probably not somebody you want inserting your IUD. Don't trust everything you see on social media. While a lot of it shows personal experiences and everybody's personal experience is valid, it's a little bit skewed on social. IUDs are awesome for birth control and for lots of other things. It can be very normal to have heavy bleeding with a copper IUD or what we call the Paragard IUD. Uterine perforation, where we poke a hole through your uterus, thankfully, is very rare, and there are lots of things that we can do to keep that from happening. String checks are optional. Discuss with your provider if you were able to fill your strings, and now you can't, to make sure it's still there. And lastly, men are very confused about IUDs, and obviously, that's what that TikTok showed us. I hope you have learned a lot about IUDs here. I could talk all day about them and I'm sure we have more questions. So if you want to see your question featured, go ahead and call me at the Viva La Volva voicemail or leave me a voice message in my Instagram DMs at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. Until next week, stay safe, stay contracepting and stay informed, my friends. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them. 